Today on Ovias and Gilia, we'll tell you why Tuesdays and the Tar Heels are not friends, an update on ACC bracketology, and why Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner, should not trust the Big Ten and the SEC no matter what they say. Before we get started, I want to thank everybody who has thrown us five stars on their favorite podcast platforms, left reviews. If you haven't, you know what you can do to show us love on Valentine's Day? Exactly that. Throw us five stars, positive vibes only. Leave a comment. You know I love to screen grab those and put them out on social media. This absolutely helps with the reach of the podcast, which has been going great. Everything's trending in the right direction as we approach a year of doing it. And it really means a lot to us when you've come up to us, whether it's at the grocery store, at a game, or wherever we are around town, and you tell us directly how much you enjoy the podcast. But on Valentine's Day, if you want to see this cold heart warm up just a little bit, five stars is the equivalent of a dozen roses. Let's podcast alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias inside Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh. Thanks to Empire Properties and thanks to Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers-plus.com. Thanks to Greg Hanum. I was just walking down the street mm-hmm. and getting a coffee okay. for the morning. Yeah. And I saw some youths walking down the street and they had, uh, it's Ash Wednesday. So they had the ashes on yeah. their head. So I look at them and I'm like, oh, it's Ash Wednesday. And then I was like, oh, that means yesterday was Fat Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That means yesterday was the 30th anniversary. Today, yesterday was the 30th anniversary. Of the drunkest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> okay. I went to Mardi Gras in 94. Yeah. This was before. I mean, they still had the riot horses. Yeah. On Bourbon Street. Yeah, and then st- in the French Quarter. Yeah, they still do. But this was before. it. This was like the year before it became Mardi Gras. I see. And that you couldn't get down there and move and do anything. And actually. And also. I was 18 years old. And at the time, New Orleans specifically had these wonky drinking laws where you were allowed to go to bars. You were allowed to drink in bars if you were 18. You just weren't allowed to purchase the alcohol. Allowed to. Mm-hmm. So I actually used my real license mm-hmm. when I was 18. Mike Nagoot, we were down in New Orleans. Mike was from. Metterary, if I'm saying that correct. Okay. That's where he grew up. So he ends up at our high school in, in Ringwood, New Jersey as a sophomore. We end up becoming uh, good friends. And so he went to the University of Alabama at a time in the, in the dark days of oh, Alabama football. Yeah, man. Not okay. great. So it, it, it'll, get from, it'll get away from you quick if you're not careful. He's a real Roll, roll Tide fan. Yeah. But we go down there and I'm Joe, I am telling you, they had a board of all the shots this is 94. This is before, you know, you're like standardized, like you're going to a bar, like they're making these things. I think I had like 10 or 11 of them. I pass. And now keep in mind, this is Mardi Gras. Okay. Uh This isn't like midnight. This is like, it was like 11 o'clock in the morning. I passed out on his uh, friend's family couch Mm -hmm. and they were having a Mardi Gras party. And they were all obviously from New Orleans. This was the Garden District. We were literally not that far from Arch and uh, his wife's, Archie and his wife, mm-hmm. Manning. Mm-hmm. We were like around the block. They're like, oh yeah, they live over there. And I'm like, so super swanky, fancy place in the Garden District. Drunk ass Jersey Joe passed out on the couch. And they were like, when I woke up, they were all like, hey, you're alive, this whole thing. And Nagoot, my buddy, like he, Mike Nagoot ends up becoming, in my nickname world, ends up becoming Lee Guterman, who was a relief pitcher for the New York Yankees. And so Lee says to me, he goes, all of these people fucking love you because you took a nap on their couch. And I'm like, I think it's because I didn't throw up on their couch. Oh, that's a bonus. Like, that's a bonus. I don't know why. He's like, look at the Yankee. He couldn't make it to, to noon on, on Fat Tuesday. Now, you're probably wondering, you're listening to this opening to the podcast and you're wondering, <laughs> what the hell does this have to do with anything related to what happened last night 
in Syracuse. Well, Joe is celebrating the however many anniversary of a Tuesday, Fat Tuesday Drunk Fest in New Orleans. 30 years. 94. New Orleans is where North Carolina beat Duke in the Final Four to effectively end a chapter in the rivalry against Mike Krzyzewski. And Tuesdays also happen to be the worst day for North Carolina to play basketball games. Doesn't this year. make any sense. It's wild to me. North Carolina's one in four on a Tuesday this year, this season. So if you go back to their schedule, they lost to Connecticut on Tuesday, December 5th. They beat Pitt on Tuesday, January 2nd. Cool. But then they have proceeded to lose Tuesday, January 30th to Georgia Tech. Tuesday, February 6th to Clemson. And Tuesday, February 13th against Syracuse last night. Good news for North Carolina going forward. They have one more Tuesday game the rest of the season. And it's at home. It's at home against Notre Dame. They're not gonna be they're not gonna be playing Tuesday in the ACC tournament. Nope. And they're not gonna be playing a first four game. Nope. Unless Joe Lenardi is convinced that these kind of losses make it so that North Carolina has to play in the first four. I mean, I wouldn't put it past Joe Lenardi. Well, yeah, shouts to <laughs> Sean for pointing out like maybe this narrative is like maybe maybe the ESPN really is that mad. Dude. About the ACC adding three schools that add Dude. no value to their television contract. We're going to get to the Joe Lenardi aspect of all this with our chief bracketologist, Patrick Stevens, a little bit later on. So let's talk about the Tar Heels from last night. And uh, they gave us a Valentine's Day gift early with plenty to talk about uh, with a loss. Uh, speaking of little fun statistics, you know, one and four on a Tuesday. Uh, the Tar Heels are also one and two since Armando Baycott declared the ACC goes through him. Mm. Not great. And I, I guess that's where I guess that's where I'm at, right? North Carolina following the win over Duke looked like they were a step ahead of everybody else in the ACC. Let's not retcon this, okay? Oh. Let's not but, retcon but, the idea I that think North they Car- still are, though. I don't know. Well, you know, to, to use my extreme Sarah Jessica Parker voice, and just like that, North Carolina now finds itself with the same amount of losses as Duke in conference play with three, and they have the same overall record as Virginia which is not something that we expected or thought about when they beat Duke a couple of weeks ago. And big picture wise, right? Big picture, the ACC has carved out a space in the NCAA tournament bracketology. Okay. Virginia has stepped up. Wake Forest has stepped up. So it's not like this ridiculous narrative. Syracuse isn't that far. Syracuse is not that far <laughs> off. I know that's the I know crazy they've part, gotten right? hammered by Wake and Carolina down here, but they're not a bad team. And big picture, UNC lost on a night which UN, uh, UVA lost to Pitt, which yep. put a pin in that because I know you have a larger point you want to make about this. So I don't want you to forget it. So North, Virginia loses last night. Texas A&M loses last night. Indiana State also lost last night, which continues an overall track of the season where a lot of ranked teams keep losing in bunches. But, but, and I made this point last night on Twitter. I can, I can make big picture observations about the current state of college basketball and that maybe UConn really is the only team that looks like a true title contender and everybody else just has to hope and pray and wish that they can execute to their finest in the NCAA tournament. I know you made a face. I'm just saying it it could very well be the case. Could very well be the case. But North Carolina fans do not care about that. North Carolina fans do not care about the big picture, and they're not alone. Anytime their team loses, if your team gets upset, you are upset. You don't care about the even keel conversation about the overall state of college basketball. Okay. All right? And North Carolina now losing three of their last five you start to wonder, is this a malaise? Is this something that is trending towards a larger concern? I don't want to hear like the doomsday scenarios that I know exist on social media. I still think North Carolina will ultimately be fine because you can explain away what happened over the last couple of weeks. The Georgia Tech game was free throws. The Clemson, that was a hangover against Duke, against a desperate team that really needed a win. That's a good Clemson team, by the way. That's a clumsy team that, on offense. that really need needed a win, and they got it. At Miami, it's been a pain in the ass for the Tar Heels the last couple of years, right? They won the game. And they still won that. No, but people are freaking out about how they how they won that game. They hung on. The, the poor game execution. Miami's been a pain in the ass. And, of course, Syracuse last night was hot as hell, man. Hot as hell. And Carolina lost their composure. Let me ask you a question, because uh, you wanted to put the days of the week on a yellow pad, which I can. Oh, sure. Um, but 
Syracuse ended up scoring 86 points last night. Carolina now <laughs> two and five. Yeah. Two and five when they gave up more than 79 points. Mm-hmm. Their defense is what their elite trait is their defense. Yes. Giving up 80 points in a college basketball game in regulation is not elite. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's where they are with that one. Um, interesting though, that Syracuse has not played zone all year. And now, or I think the stat they showed, they said on the broadcast was they, they play zone on, you know, half court possessions only 13% of the time this mm-hmm. year. They basically exclusively went zone last night. I thought it gave Carolina some problems. Mm-hmm. Um, if we want to get back to the roster construction about this team, you know, you, you all kind of laughed at me when I tried to tell you that this roster, yes, has a bus driver in RJ Davis. Yes, Harrison Ingram is playing at a higher level than we ever saw him at Stanford. Mm-hmm. You know, they need Cadeau. They need Baycott to be his role. And I think Cormac Ryan uh, played pretty well last night, actually. Did, did some of the things they need him to do on a regular basis. But ultimately, I th- you're talking about a team that to the point where they got in the ACC, where they started in the league 9-0, they were playing greater than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. And the reason they were able to do that is because of the defensive end. Well, since that start, they've given up 84 to Duke, 80 to Clemson, and 86 to Syracuse, and they've lost two of those four games. Yeah. You got to defend. Like That's what your talent is. Well, As Sidney Lowe used to tell me, everybody has a talent. Mm-hmm. It might be effort. Effort might be your talent, mm-hmm. but you have to know what your talent is. The talent for this team is how they get together and defend as a team and play as a team. That's what their talent is. Hubert Davis has been banging the table on that all year long about going out there and doing exactly that. That's their talent. Effort. Now, sometimes you can try, but that doesn't mean squat when guys are heaving up shots sure. and, and they and bank in. Oh, oh. I uh, mean, come means, on. Yeah, that I mean, come ridiculous. on. Like, and Brian, Brian Ives over at the ACC Network pointed this out. Syracuse shot 62.5% from the field. That's the second best by a North Carolina opponent since Dean Smith retired. <laughs> come on. Only Pitt on February 2015 <laughs> shot better, 64.9%. Again, 62.5 from the field, second best by a North Carolina opponent since Dean freaking Smith retired yeah. in 1997. So that's the kind of night that Syracuse had. And I think the problem that we end up having with college basketball, and we are guilty of this. I'm not acting as though we're above it because we had this very conversation about Duke yesterday after a win against Wake Forest and this conversation about whether or not they're soft. The college footballification of college basketball has to stop where every single game is some sort of referendum on the season. Every single game, win or lose, identifies you as a true championship contender or not. It's a long ass season with some ebbs and flows in North Carolina. Again, I'm not trying to absolve North Carolina of a loss last night. If you're truly a title contender, you have to play more consistently against desperate teams, especially against the Syracuse team that going into this game wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire. It's not, exactly, sure. it's not like the Syracuse team was trending upward before last yeah. night's game. The point that I'm trying to make is there's ebbs and flows to this and North Carolina is going through a stretch of their season that even they knew was going to be a difficult stress stretch and they were going to learn some things about themselves during the stretch. They don't play again until Saturday against what Virginia Tech and then they get the week off. So it's probably for the best that North Carolina is going to go through some of this light work over the next two weeks to reset. I think we'll get a better idea of where this North Carolina squad is once they come out of that break. All right, a couple things. Uh, first of all, you got to give Adrian Autry credit here. Yeah, yeah. Rookie coach, replacing a legend. People were looking for him. How, how, did, how do you respond? They kept talking about this on the broadcast last night. Mm-hmm. Your first big opportunity, your first signature win. And th- these are the kind of like, if you've never been to a basketball game in Syracuse, I, I've tried to explain to people, the passion for Syracuse basketball in New York is equal to what we have here. They just only have one team mm-hmm. in that up in the portion of New York where they are. Okay. That's number one. And, and Autry, that's a big moment, big crowd. You know, again, when Carolina comes to town, you have a, a top 10 team, his team poured it out. They played their Super Bowl last night. JJ Starling and Judah Mintz are two top level ACC players. They combined for 50, 51 points. I mean, <laughs> When your two dudes are going and, and you know, when your stars are your stars and your best players are your best players, guess what? Yeah, man. You, you, you have something there. Meanwhile, you know, 
again, Cadeau with four points in this game. Cadeau is what separates Carolina when they have that defensive effort. Yeah. If you want to see them elevate, Cadeau is what elevates them. But it's funny you say that a championship team has to be a championship team and, and take care of things. Because my number one takeaway that I thought about this morning actually mm. was, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to go full radio today. <laughs> I'm going to go full radio today. All right. And I'm going to go, you know what? I don't believe anything I see anymore. Because the, the, the freaking Chiefs lose to the Raiders in December. Didn't matter. Who cares? Yeah. Oh, they lost to Green Bay. Cool. Awesome. Doesn't matter. Oh, they, they lost to Russell Wilson. Oh, did it did it bother them? No. Oh, oh, do we take away the Super Bowl from the Chiefs because they shit their pants against Russ? No. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hear it. Okay? <laughs> These effing games don't matter. That's, that's all I'm going to say to you. I don't, I don't, I don't I'm completely come around on this thing that Mahomes has freaking broken me. I'm done. These games don't matter. So the heels, congratulations. Final four. End my ticket. You know, maybe we wouldn't have gotten fired if that was the case every day. A little fire? Like that every day. Well, I wasn't allowed to swear, though. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. got to have the element. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going full radio. Let's go. These games don't matter. No, 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 no. Full, no, no, no. Full radio is, you know, we're already doing entirely way too early top 25 projections for next year in college basketball. Oh, also full radio, by the way, would also be is Hubert Davis on the hot seat. That's Ooh. full. That's full radio. Folks, it's Valentine's day reminder. You might be listening to this podcast today on a Wednesday, February 14th going, Oh yeah, that's right. Even though <laughs> Ovius and Julio warned me yesterday that it's valentine's day a little late no no it's never too late it's never too late get the unibana cleaning it's not gift card because you can get the gift card okay good you can print that bad boy out be like put it in a card see (laughs) now you should have scheduled it if you were a real g however it's okay it's not too late enovana.com e-n-o-v-a-n-a.com you can purchase a one-time cleaning right now print it out put it in a card at the last minute and save Valentine's Day. Uh, shout out to our friend Anna over at Sound Off. She made a little Valentine for you and me. Uh, and it's a little glittery heart. I thought about making it a sticker. Maybe next Valentine's Day we'll make an OG heart glitter Valentine. What do you think? Okay. And we probably use the same thing on a shamrock for March. If you Ooh, want. that's a good idea. That is a good idea. Anyway, check it out. E-N-O-V-A-N-A dot com. Uh, we have a next event, not March, in February. It's the OG tailgate. Go to our Instagram account, OG Triangle Media on Instagram. You'll see the post. Like that post. Leave a comment. If you want extra entries, make it a story. Okay. And then we'll follow our guys on Sleek Fleet too. Yes. They're all tagged in there. Okay. They're all tagged in there. So here's what's going to happen. Like the post, leave a comment, tag a friend, get people to follow everybody. And then we're going to pick two lucky listeners within a 20-mile radius of PNC <laughs> Arena. Learning our lessons, yes. asterisk style. Yes. <laughs> within 20 miles of PNC <laughs> Arena. This is key. This is key. And we're going to get you some transportation from our friends at Sleek Fleet. Check them out, sleek-fleet.com to hang out with the OG tailgate. We're going to have food from um, Butcher's Market. Market. We're going to have beer from Sweetwater. Uh, we're going to have very limited edition color-changing cups. Cups are back. Cups are back. Put okay. an order in today. They'll arrive next week. We got 30 of them. Oh, 30 of them. And I also picked up some breaking t-shirts, a variety. I was going to say. Large and extra large. Fingers crossed. Shirts. No, they'll be here. They okay. should be here. I mean, I put the extra shipping in there. So they should, they should, hopefully they should be here. Otherwise, I'll text Jamie like, buddy, can we, hey. get, these things, can we get these things printed for hey. next week? That'd be great. Can we get a Thanks. real Ajo shirt from our friends at Breaking Tea? What do you mean a real Ajo? The real Ajo. That's what the shirt should say. The real Ajo. I mean, I'll hit them up. Yeah. I'll hit them up. Get some stuff out of that. Anyway, go to breakingtea.com slash OG if you want to buy a shirt. Uh, we got a new logo that just dropped. I'm debating whether or not we send the Dead Conference t-shirt to our friend Jim Phillips, who we will talk PhD. about. Who we will talk about a little bit later on. Also want to thank Hometown Realty for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Check them out. MyHTR.com. Interest rates, I know, are getting a lot of headlines. Interest rates are going to affect how people are going to buy and sell their homes. And MyHTR can get you ahead of that frenzy. Yeah. Beat the rush. Go to MyHTR.com. Six locations, more than 250 agents. That that says to me, Joe, they know exactly what they're doing. And they can help you not only get the best price when you sell your home, but when you're trying to buy one. Because you can buy, sell, calculate at MyHTR.com. 
whitakerandhammer.com. Also, big thanks to Whitaker and Hammer. Check them out online at wh.lawyer. Again, that's wh.lawyer, attorneys and counselors at law. Uh, big thanks to Whitaker and Hammer for helping us out with our Tecmo Super Bowl tournament a couple weeks ago at Shady's. Be on the lookout for another OG event that will be taking place at Shady's uh, maybe May around in May. Not on a Tuesday. Definitely not a Tuesday. Not on a Tuesday. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline is our friend from the Washington Post, our chief bracketologist. He is Patrick Stevens. Patrick, what's up, man? Fellas, how are you doing this morning? What's our bobblehead of the week? Uh, I'm feeling a little tired this morning, so we're not. We're going to pass on the bobblehead of the week. Patrizio, Patrick, that is just not how the bit works. Come on, Sir, okay. Okay. I'm tired today too, Patrick. But you see me podcasting, buddy. Okay, well, Wednesday. you want you, you want to do take two here and give me a minute to ask? No, just do it live. We'll do it yeah. live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live, Patrick. Just grab something by you. I pick one pick of your favorites. Pick, oh, I need right Come on, let's go. No, let's really not. <laughs> All right, right. Here's, Patrick off. Here we go. What do we got? Dude that invented Tabasco sauce. What? <laughs> Edmund McElhenney. <laughs> what? Where does one what get an Edwin McElhenney bobblehead? Uh, he apparently was a <laughs> native of Washington County, Maryland, and the team in Hagerstown gave those things away, including a little one-eighth of an ounce bottle of Tabasco sauce with it. That's amazing that <laughs> you keep the one-eighth bottle. That is... I don't, I, it might be somewhere. It might be somewhere. <laughs> All right. And you didn't want to do the bobblehead of the, of the day. Well, Come on, man. I, I suppose gold. your reaction alone, Joe Gillio, was worth it just to <laughs> see. Gold. I love it. I love it. All right. <laughs> the ACC, as it currently stands today, Patrick, in your bracketology, how many teams do we have? Four. Uh, four. I think you're looking at four really solid teams at this point with Carolina, Duke, Clemson, and Virginia, even with its loss last night. Uh, and then you've got Wake Forest, which is sitting here really without a high-end win. And I think for Wake, the issue is going to be you've got to figure out a way to, to give the committee some reason to put you in. And it can't just be because you've got a good net rating. I, I think they're close, and I think it's basically the one thing that's missing from Wake's profile. Um, but overall, it's just not quite enough to get over the hump. I mean, basically, you could argue that Wake right now is sort of – um, a lesser version of Gonzaga, which just got its first high-end win the other day at Kentucky. So, And then after that, you're talking about teams that are in various states of, of hoping they can string together three wins in a row. Like suddenly Pitt, because they've got two of the best wins in the league on the board right now, having won at Duke and having won at Virginia, um, is actually not all that far away if it can if it can keep winning a few games um you know Miami obviously has work to do uh NC State has a lot of work to do uh last night uh helped Syracuse uh but still there there's there's not much else to, to commend them besides having beaten Pitt on the road they have a lot of work to do as well so the the problem with I wonder with Wake Patrick and it used to be in the old days, when a guy was injured, they would the committee would have a a factor there. Mm-hmm. How do you think they'll treat either Efton Reed, who they could not have expected to be eligible, and or uh, Monsanto, who is coming back from injury? I, I think those two guys, unfortunately for Steve Forbes, he didn't have mm-hmm. for, for those what first six seven non conference games, and I think they are a different team with those two guys, but. Is that a real thing, do you think, still in 2024, that the committee will evaluate them based on the parts they have now? I think it is to some extent, but I also think it's worth pointing out at this point that if, if you're lining up what's Wake Forest's best win, it's beating Florida at home, and Efton Reed didn't play in that game. Okay. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, they've had opportunities with one or both of them in the lineup, and, and they haven't won. And so – it be it would be easier to make that argument if they had lost three games to people they shouldn't have lost to in November 
and then had just kind of chugged away. And, and it, it would be more one of those things where it's like, can we overlook this quad three loss or even this quad four loss because they weren't a complete team? And if there's like one or two of those that you have to look at, then maybe it does. But, you know, they've been, you know, they've been with Reed since basically the beginning of December. And right. they got, and, you know, I, I think Reed's a much bigger factor, frankly, than Monsanto is just because Monsanto's playing, what, 10, 15 minutes a game off the bench. Um, you know, you got your team. You, now you got to go out and win games. And, you know, I know it's easier said than done. Um, didn't win at Carolina, didn't win at Duke, didn't win at Pitt. Uh, but you're talking about your best victories after Florida being home against Virginia. And then it's at Boston College, home against Virginia Tech, home against Miami. And that just – that isn't going to get it done. I mean, Wake has work to do to distinguish itself. And and that's kind of the key thing. You know, we, we keep talking about how – you know, there's not going to be a uh, there's not there's not going to be only 32 at large teams or 35. There's going to be 36, mm-hmm. but you have to do something to distinguish yourself. Um, and another thing that kind of has happened, and this isn't necessarily something that will definitely replicate itself in March, but in the last week we've seen South Florida take over the American Athletic lead from Florida Atlantic. We've seen Richmond take over the A-10 lead from Dayton. And so that's sort of like a bid thief in March. And so that edge of the field got tighter on Wake in the last week just because you had to find room for Dayton. You had to find room for FAU because somebody else was taking up those top spots in a league. And so is that how that works out? Are those bids possibly available in the end? Sure. But – for now, it, it's kind of an interesting sort of dry run, if you will, for for what that championship week looks like. All right, Patrick, I'm going to set this up and uh, give you a little bit of context. If you're not aware that everybody's out to get the ACC, you're aware of this, yes? Is this is this the case? Yes. Is the, the code AC- red? The, the ACC, uh, the ACC has many haters, and Patrick's in Maryland. He knows the haters. The haters are out. When and the ACC hates Maryland, which is the world against Maryland, right? Obvious won't even put them on the T-shirt. Nope, won't Damn put them on the T-shirt. I saw that. I was very disappointed. I mean, thank you. I might, I, I might know the general vicinity of where Blacksburg is, but damn it, I am putting Maryland on there. Well, you know that reminds me of the year. I think it was the year Maryland was leaving the league, and they yeah. did, they did the court, like the 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 map of the league on the court with the logo and whatnot. And they placed Maryland someplace over on the Eastern shore. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not where Maryland is. I mean, technically it's where the state is, but it's not where the campus is. So I don't, if people who, people who are listening to this podcast understand that there is this back and forth between, you know, what the bracketologists and the general conversation around ACC basketball is versus what the results are. And I feel like this is a good opportunity to discuss the differences between what you and others in the bracketology field are trying to accomplish versus the adult versus the results. Right. So, so you know, you, you're making, everybody likes to make these arguments about leagues, yeah. which is, which, you know, it, it's easy to clump it together. It's, it's, it's a, it's a fine way to, to create a discussion, but sure. you're, lo- but you're looking at individual teams and individual profiles. And yes, when you look at uh, a team like a Wake Forest, for example, in the end, 21, 22, 23 of the games that they play mm-hmm. out of 31, 30, or 32, 33, whatever, are are going to be league games. So there is a definite influence as to who you play. Sure. Um, but you're, you're trying to size up what has this team done? Who have they beaten? Where have they beaten them? Uh, all that sort of stuff. What sort of... At this point, you know, what sort of metrics do they have that go beyond simply the NCAA's net tool, mm-hmm. um, which would be Ken Palm, which would be KPI, et cetera. So uh, you're looking at individual teams. Now, it's not wrong to say, well, because you have X number of bad teams in this league, that's going to drag you down. And there have certainly been times, I think less so this year, than, than even a year ago, and certainly you know, a couple, there's been a couple other seasons too like that, where the bottom tier of the ACC dragged down some of those teams that were scrambling sure. for those last few spots. But you know, the problem for Wake Forest isn't some mythical. Well, the league is down. The problem for Wake Forest is is they haven't beaten anybody uh, in, in Quad One, and and some of that is a matter of getting Quad One games, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it is, is, is you look at, you know, what they did in non-conference play. And if they go and they win at Georgia and they beat LSU on a neutral court, we're probably having a different conversation about, so about the, the, that. Just the, because they would have enough quantity at that point to overcome the lack of quality. The setup here, Patrick, <laughs> is that when Joe Lenardi puts out his reasoning for things or fun little factoids like you do on the Washington Post, on ESPN he had put this, and Andrew Weatherman, who's a good college basketball follow. Uh, has a follow-up to this, but he had highlighted this part from Lenardi's latest bracketology, talking about the conference and number one seeds and the loss to Carol, you know, Carolina's loss last night. For the first two decades of this century, the ACC averaged at least one top seed per year. The conference peaked in 2019, landing three of the four number one seeds, including the national champion, Virginia. Since then, there has not been a single top-line selection from the ACC, its longest drought since seeding began in 1979. In addition, the league has landed only two number one seeds, since the pandemic and two of the last three tournaments, its highest rated entry has been a four seed. It's hard to it's hard to end a decline in the number of overall bids without the usual anchors at the top of the conference. And this update includes only four ACC teams, just like you, Andrew, which would be its lowest total since expanding in 2014. It's fair to say that was one that will that was once thought to be a blip has instead become a concerning trend. Andrew points out that. In that time, they've had the ACC has had sweet six sweet 16 appearances tied for second, four elite eight appearances tied for first, three final four appearances, which is tied for first, 6.2 wins over Ken Palm expectation, which is first, 6.3 wins over seed expectation, which is first, and 23 total wins, which is tied for second. And this is the what the reason why I brought this up is that I think the mistake that a lot of us are making are the committee does not look at previous tournament success. Bracketologists are not looking at previous tournament success. That's its own separate that, conversation. That, that That is. And in fact, I had to go back and look at the 2019 standings just while you were saying that. Yeah. To try to get a quick sense as to why there were three number one seeds from the ACC that year. Mm-hmm. And what, one of the reasons was you had three really good teams at the top of the league. But one of the reasons was you had a 29 and 8 Florida State team and a 26 and 9 Virginia Tech team, too. And so there were more quality victories to go get by having more high-end teams, even in that, you know, second tier, even in the fourth, fifth, sixth range. Um, But for the purposes of what I'm doing, I'm not looking back at the 2021 tournament or the 2018 tournament or the 2013 tournament and saying, gosh, what did the, what did this league do then? Like Mm -hmm. the reality is, is you're looking and saying, how does this year's version of Duke compare to this year's version of Iowa state? or this year's version of Baylor, or this year's version of Illinois. And, you know, we can go right down the list going, you know, we're comparing Virginia to this year's version of Colorado State or Mississippi or whoever. Uh, and and all that other stuff is is background noise for uh, for people to yell and scream about, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't influence what this bracket is going to look like. Patrick Stevens, Washington Post, our chief bracketologist, king of the bobbleheads. <laughs> The Vasco sauce. That was a winner. That was a winner today, Patrick. <laughs> you pulled that one out of nowhere. Still a winner, man. Still a winner. The weirder, the better. We'll talk yeah. to you later. Take care, fellas. Love talking to Patrick. I also love getting food from Longleaf Swine, oh. downtown Raleigh. I was actually talking to Ethan, listener Ethan. Yes. About that French onion dip. From the Super Bowl spread. I still think they need to put that on one of their smash burgers, but holy crap, that was amazing. The corn medley thing with the bacon. Did you have any of that? I didn't have any of that. Was that good too? Oh my gosh. Look, Longleaf doesn't miss. Check them out in downtown Raleigh. We will be at Longleaf March 21st, the first Thursday of the NCAA tournament. We will be doing an OG live special one o'clock edition from Longleaf Swine. You can come out and hang out with us. Maybe we'll have some more t-shirts. Maybe we'll have some more cups. Maybe, maybe Joe Giglio I, will trying. buy you a shot of bourbon. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm, I thought you were talking about the jackets. Like I've been trying oh, on no, the jackets. No, no. Well, do I need an email, Connor? Because I would, this is like the one time I do want to get something Carolina. Okay. Because um, that Connor. jacket really is, it's really nice. No, it's, 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 it's great. I understand I why they sold out. Anyway, I understand why they sold it. If you're looking to get some stuff catered for, I don't know, an ACC tournament party, you want to bring out the AV cart and have some wonderful food with it, oh. hey, Longleaf can handle that as well. 
So check them out, Longleaf Swine. Also, big thanks to Matt Davis over at State Farm for sponsoring Ovi's and Jillio. Check them out, insuregarner.com, theoginsurance.com. Call them directly, 919-779-8277. He can save you a lot of money. We cannot guarantee you Duke basketball tickets, though, like Jillio got. You know, it's interesting, though, Christian listener of this podcast said, hey, man, after a while, he's getting married. He's, you know, wanted to moving into a new house, doing all these things, wanted to get his insurance all done, taken care of. Yeah. He was like, I couldn't remember. I was like, man, who is that guy? Oh, Costanza on the OG, Matt Davis, State Farm. And he called him 919-779-8277. Okay. He emails us back. Hey, man, I saved thousands going with Matt. And he goes, and, and when I told him I was from the OG, he gave me tickets to a Carolina Hurricanes game. Love that. And I was like, see, that's Matt Davis, man. That's service for you. So Stepping give him a call up. yourself. 919-779-8277. Now we mentioned Homefield and we do talk about customer service and why that matters for a lot of the people that we work with. And Homefield is on it. Is something not up to the quality you want? Let them know. Yeah. They'll make sure it is handled correctly. Got the wrong size? Let them know. They're going to make it right. Uh, always a great experience with Homefield. They got wonderful stuff. Check them out again, homefieldapparel.com and use that promo code OG23. Again, that's OG23. There's a meme that makes the rounds where something bad happens, right? And it's almost like somebody called their shot, like they should have known better or they say something and then something bad happens. And you've seen the meme. It's this old news clip. And it says, what are you going to do? Stab me? Person before they got stabbed. Right. Okay. I feel like. Oh, boy. That's Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner, when it comes to where things are headed with college athletics. And it's a classic case of, well, what are you going to do? shank this conference right before the big 10 and the sec shank the ACC and potentially the big 12. You're probably wondering, okay, obvious where the hell is this going? Well, it's been a very newsy week for the college football playoff. Looks like ESPN is going to dole out. I think if I saw the number correctly, I don't have it in front of me right now. $1.6 billion a year for the rights to the college football playoff. Over the next six years with the right to sub license, by the way, say it feels like a mistake on their part, not to take this to market the way that the big 10 did with theirs. I agree with you, but I also think that based on Ross Dellinger's reporting that the conferences were specifically the big 10 and the sec understand that it ain't going to stay at 12. So it looks like the format for the college football playoff based on reporting from the athletic based on Ross Dellinger at Yahoo sports is going to be the five and seven. Not going to be the six and six anymore because, well, <laughs> the Pac-12 is no more. Yeah. Duh. Okay. So it's going to be five and seven, five automatic, seven at large. But in reading quotes, it's fairly obvious that they want to go to 16. I think it was from Mike Oresco on his way out, straight up saying, yeah, man, the difference between the difference between a 12-team playoff and a 16-team playoff is really Structural, minuscule. Structurally, yeah. is not that big of a deal. So it's going to go to 16 and who knows when they need to go shake the money tree again, you can say, Hey, we're expanding. Maybe yeah. that's when they I, open things up again. I like the 12 in the sense that I want you to reward the top four teams. Agree. They shouldn't have to play in the opening round. I, I like that element. Now there's a lot of other things to peel back on this onion because there are some other potential changes all for the sake of revenue share, including the NCAA tournament. But I wanted to focus on this quote from Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner. In the Ross Dellinger piece. So I got to scroll down because I had it at one point and now it's gone. This is in the portion about the ACC and the Big 12's role with all these decisions after the Big 10 and the SEC announced this joint partnership. <laughs> okay. Quote, in an interview with Yahoo Sports, commissioners Greg Sankey and uh, Greg Sankey from the SEC and Tony Petiti from the Big Ten underscored the need for the advisory board to be as small as possible to quickly reach solutions for urgent matters such as the multi-billion dollar house antitrust lawsuit, the NCAA's new governance proposal, Project D1, and the unsettled recruiting landscape where the NCAA's transfer name, image, and likeness policies are at risk of being eliminated by the courts. Sankey insists that whatever solutions the joint board reaches are, one, 
an effort to, quote, benefit everybody in the ecosystem. Uh-huh. And two, not an attempt to secede from the NCAA or the college football playoff. Although such decisions seem to remain viable, some believe. And here's the money quote from Jim Phillips. Quote, I trust Greg and Tony and what they've said. I'm not paranoid about this, that it's a sinister movement. Did he look him in the eye? That's my only question. Did you did you look these men in the eye like you did with the alliance? Look, man, I really don't want to hammer Jim Phillips. But how many times have we seen in the history of college athletics commissioners not being trustworthy? How many times have we seen college presidents of these big institutions all do what's best for them? And every single time there's been some level of we're all going to work together. We're all in constant communication. We're all looking each other in the eye. We all have what's best for college athletics. What happens, Joe? Money talks, bullshit walks. Right. And every single time the ACC has been left holding the bag every single time. That the ACC is like, oh, no, no, we're in constant communication. We're, we're gonna then the Big Ten goes, no, we're going to do whatever we want. That was with John Swafford. Remember remember the pandemic? No, no, we're in constant. We talked to oh, John every Swafford. Day. We every talked day. every day. And then the Big Ten went, Leroy <laughs> Jenkins, we're not going to play college football. And I was like, what the hell's happening? Okay. And then the same thing happened to Jim Phillips with the Alliance. We're all here. We have a press conference. I'm leading the way. We've got, we don't need gated communities. And then what happened like a month after the fact? E2, Carol Fault. Right. E2. Right. So, Jim, dude, are you ever going to learn? You really trust the SEC and the Big Ten? That's how you end up with Cal, Stanford, and SMU in the damn conference. Because you're like, oh, no, no, things are going to be fine. They're fine. Oh, the Pac-12, no, Pac-12's dead. Oh. Oh, oh, damn. So here we are. What are you going to do? Stab me? Yes. Yes. The SEC and the Big Ten are going to stab you. And then the ACC is going to be left once again behind. And every single one of these things comes down to revenue, Joe. It all comes down to revenue. The whole reason why we're even arguing about this stuff with the college football playoff is because the SEC and the Big Ten want more of the money because they feel that with all the teams in the conference and the brands they have in the conferences, they are owed more money of the revenue share than the ACC and the Big 12. That also comes down to the NCAA tournament too, which we'll get to in a second. But come on, man. Come on. Meanwhile, what the ACC is doing under Jim Phillips' stewardship is spending more money lobbying Congress to protect the status quo than any other conference. It's embarrassing. I thought there was a revenue gap, Joe. It's embarrassing. You you mean the ACC can spend more than the SEC in something? I was told otherwise. Why? What they have decided to prioritize as a conference is embarrassing. The conference will no longer exist in five years. So that's on them. That's on their leadership. That's on their faults. And that does start with... like. We're no longer in the, the blame Swafford protocols. No, no, no matter no matter what Florida State says in a court of law, we are no longer in the blame Swafford protocols. We are now squarely in what you just said. There's a pandemic. Oklahoma and Texas decide to leave because of a conniving move by Greg Sankey mm-hmm. behind the scenes with Jack Swarbrick. Jack Swarbrick, the Svengali, who talked you into adding Stanford and Ethan Cal, by the way. So wake up. Wake up. And make a decision that's best for you and not some, oh, let's protect the status quo. Oh, no, I trust the Big Ten. Maybe, maybe our friend Luke DeCock has this right all along. That this guy is just a sleeper agent from the Big Ten. (laughs) Sent to destroy the ACC from the inside. I don't think the further we get away from this, the further we get away from this, right? There's a reason why he did not become the Big Ten commission. Yeah, there's a reason. And it's not because he was a sleeper agent. I think it's like, nah, this guy wants to go in a direction that we don't want to go in. And if that's what the ACC wants to do, man, more power to you. Yeah. More power to you. We're going to go off and we're going to do our own thing. And the Big Ten ultimately had it right. And obviously, Greg Sankey is the power broker in college athletics. The one thing that Swafford did do right, by the way, was understand that. Swafford understood that. And he tried to work in partnership with the, with the SEC in that regard. I don't know what Jim Phillips is doing other than 
being way too late to the party on any one of these moves. But hey, got a cool new office in Charlotte. Looks cool, right? Should we send should we should we send Jim Phillips a t-shirt? We should. I'll send him a t-shirt. You just bring it to him in Washington. He'll probably be mad that uh, the, the California schools aren't involved in this sort of thing. About the NCAA tournament, I should say. Revenue, just like the same arguments about the college football playoff are in play, about who should get what oh, money. Yeah, yeah. The same thing's happening with the NCAA tournament. And the too long didn't read version of that Ross Dellinger piece on Yahoo relates to the Power Five or the Power Four and the Big East, because the Big East is a player here when it comes yeah. to the NCAA tournament. So that the for the for the purposes of this conversation, we will use the term high major basketball conferences, which includes the Big East. And their argument is, well, look, we make up the majority of the field. We're the, you know, we are the ones that earn, I think the number was like 70% of the available units, because the NCAA payout is based yeah. on units and XYZ, right? Therefore, we should have more opportunities for these types of things, or we should get more money. One of the things that was floated was the idea of, well, you know, do we have to have automatic bids for the NCAA tournament for the smaller conferences? God, I would suck if they did if they tried to do away with those. But they won't because they know that it would end up being a really bad PR move for NOL should look pretty bad when it comes to all the congressional help and everything else. That, oh, you guys really are that cutthroat. They can't do that. So the next best solution, if you can't take away automatic qualifiers for the smaller conferences, is to expand the field beyond the 68 that we currently have now. It's going to happen because they simply want more opportunities for their schools. There's way too much money being invested in college basketball for your programs to not make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I have no problem with a 96-team field. No yeah, problem. you know, it's, it's funny. Would I have a problem with it? Yes, because I think we all recognize that 32 or 64, really 64 was perfect. Okay, perfect. It was symmetrical. You started on your Thursday. You got these three weeks. It's awesome. Now you got this first four and they're playing on Tuesday and Wednesday, whatever, right? The people who... Go to 96, you just start the week before. You just start the week before. And it's even more of a random chaos generator at that yeah. point. And UConn just, will still win like seven games in a row to win the title. And the ACC will still <laughs> only get four teams in the NCAA tournament. They're still projecting just and four. And Duke and Carolina will be in the final four. <laughs> yes. And Virginia will find will be the first Virginia to lose. Be out. No, Virginia will be the first number one seed to lose to a, what would that be? What, what would a 24 seed. A 24 seed. My math is escaping me right now. So all these things will still be true, right? <laughs> Look, I get that it sucks. But please don't tell me that you're not going to watch the NCAA tournament. No. Just like there's I, 350 teams in Division One yeah. now. Like that's the part yeah. people need to realize how the growth of Division One. Also, you use the word national mm -hmm. and Congress. Yeah. You and the NCAA uses it too. Yeah. They're allowed to use it because it is a true national championship. It is. As I always tell you, it's not the national championship in football, it's the college football playoff. This is true. Championship because they true. know it's not a national event. at the end of that like I can ask Brian to add a word do you need that for law of the wolf well no if you're going to say there's a conspiracy amongst the media then that's you need point. to like lean into it it that's can't be point. like that's a good point you know because the, the Raleigh media one other the triangle media no, no 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 I've seen you the Raleigh media well it's about to be the Raleigh media in a second get up in here we're get gonna, those pants in here get those orange pants over here we're almost there yeah, for my a, guy we're, we're almost here for a true Raleigh media conspiracy you state guys all of you you state have three state guys talking about UNC what? can't wait but here's what you can't wait on a reminder it is Valentine's Day it is Valentine's Day we already told you one way to say Valentine's Day. There is another way to say Valentine's Day if you're listening to this on Wednesday, February 14th. And that is the gift of meat. So head on over to the butcher's market. Locations across the triangle. Maybe you don't have time to cook tonight. No big deal. Yeah, they got the steak tips. Just a tip, man. It's fantastic. But let's say you just can't do that. They have prepared meals at the butcher's market. Bring it on home. Heat it up. And, you've, and they got wine. They got beer. They got all sorts of goodies at Butcher's Market to save Valentine's Day. Went to the Lake Boone location yesterday. I'm officially dubbing that the new OG home base. Okay. Uh, wine and beer coming next week. That's Fantastic. number one. Number two, hot dogs. They make the hot dogs there. Fantastic. 
Number three, did you know that the signature chicken breast was the same mix as the signature steak tip? Yes. I did not know that. That's why it's called signature. I got the signature chicken breast yesterday. Oh, dear sweet baby Jesus. Unbelievable. Go check out the butcher's market. Now, let's say you're not that fancy on Valentine's Day. Well, what's better than the gift of gas station beers? (laughs) Nothing. Hey, honey. Hey, baby. Hey. Here's a natty light. I just brought a double deuce of the natty light. You ready to go? Let's go. Class it up. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe you know it's going to be a late night. Nothing says romance. Hey. (laughs) Maybe you know it's going to be a late night. Get that coffee. It's so caffeinated. Dark roast. Let's go. Anyway, head out to the butchers. uh, Head out to Breeze Through. Or maybe, maybe you do things a little bit differently. You go to the McDee's through, get yourself a six pack and, and then get the McDee's and, get, and gas. Then get gas and then go home. Anyway, check out Breeze through locations across Triangle, locations across North Carolina. Jimmy V, that's a full day. <laughs> and of course, Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority, bundle baby. Bundling is hot right now and you can bundle at bugsbite.com. Get that mosquito outdoor treatment. Uh, which will probably start up pretty soon here as things start to get warmer. And of course, Pest Authority can take care of the inside of your house. All the good things, man. Um, Troy, one of our listeners said, hey, I had no idea about the moisture barrier until you guys were talking about it. I, I reached out to Hayes, bugspite.com, got an unbelievable deal. Treat the underneath your house. It's one of those things you don't think about mm-hmm. until potentially maybe you're going to put your house on the market and you're like, hey, uh, yeah, you have some mold. You have some mildew. Like, Whoa. <laughs> Guess what? You're not selling that house. So protect your house. Think about that moisture barrier. Think about all the different options they have. Go to bugsbite.com. I believe for some folks, especially North Carolina fans, you, me, and Andrew Carter of the News and Observer is a nightmare blunt rotation talking about <laughs> losing last night. That that clearly is it, Andrew. What's up, man? A nightmare blunt rotation. I've yeah, never even I've not, never even heard that phrase. Yeah, this is the problem when you have a 15 year old and a 12 year old in the house. You hear about Golly. this weird internet slang, and then you start using it on the show without realizing it. Golly, the the Triangle Media Mafia. Here we are. Here we are. Raleigh Media talking about the Tar Heels. We should talk about oh. our deals that we have and stuff. To uh, to use another phrase that my kids like to use. When did North Carolina's defense become mid? Oh, gosh. I mean, I was thinking about this uh, this morning because I'm actually I'm trying to write like a little something off of last night's game and, you know, whether to be concerned, you know, reasons to be concerned kind of headed down the stretch, reasons for optimism. And, you know, when it comes to this defensive stuff, I think the question is always, did teams just do a better job of making shots? Like, were they just cold before? Um, or, you know, are they just now making? I mean, Syracuse was hot last night you know like sometimes you run into that um you know so i think to really digest that and understand it you'd have to you know probably have a a greater understanding than i do or maybe most fans do and really analyze the tape and get into the nitty-gritty um the schedule's gotten tougher i think as part of it i mean clemson was a really good team syracuse i think is a little bit better than its record shows um and i think part of the issue for carolina right now is they're playing some teams that are kind of desperate in a way, you know, like Clemson now looks good for making the tournament, but they needed that win at UNC. I mean, Miami, not a tournament team right now, but if they, if they beat UNC and get on a run, who knows? Like Miami needed to beat Carolina. Carolina found a way in that game and Syracuse is trying to work its way back into that conversation too. Um, And so if you're playing desperate teams, I think you really have to match the intensity. I think you have to be sharp especially down the stretch and UNC, especially when it comes to that, has not been that. Like they're, they're just not making the winning plays in the final minutes of games. Uh, and you're seeing, you know, kind of the result of that here the past couple of weeks. You recently wrote about Elliot Cadeau, and uh, I think he is the real key for Carolina once the money's on the table. And he's had some really good games. And then like last night, he gets punched in the face, basically. And he, he was pretty ineffective last night. Now it's a zone and uh, Hubert tried using them in that Theo Pinson, you know, Roy top of the zone deal uh, yep. to, to varying degrees of success. Uh, it was obviously a game he didn't have an impact on, uh, but I'm just kind of curious your take on Cadeau and how this freshman season kind of goes up and down and up and down and, and where it might, uh, 
might find some consistency. Yeah, and I was gonna that was what I was gonna write before they lost was kind of like the the Elliot Cadeau breakout, and then like you mentioned, he gets punched in the face and he sits out for a bit. Um, I thought he was effective in terms of maybe you know passing out of that zone, getting him in the middle. And you're right, they try to use him in that Theo role um, that he had so much success in back in the day. I mean, I think Elliot has done pretty much everything that they've wanted him to do this year, especially mm-hmm. as a passer, especially as a guy. Uh, running the offense, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's been almost like a, a Kendall Marshall light a little bit in terms of his vision, his passing ability. He's made passes probably that haven't been seen at UNC uh, since Kendall. So, you know, going on more than 10 years and he's drawn comparisons uh, to him and to some of those great point guards that UNC has had. But, you know, because of some inconsistency around him, I think it has, you know, maybe increase the pressure on Elliot, or at least uh, necessitated that he deliver more offense. You know, Cormac Ryan, I think he had a good scoring game last night, but he made some critical mistakes late in that game. He had some key turnovers. That foul. That yeah, that foul. foul. He's been, you know, Cormac, I think, has been a really frustrating player. Uh, and Hubert defends his guys, and you understand that. And, you know, he points to all the things that Cormac has done well. Um, you know, but he's been MIA at times on offense. And to alleviate some of that pressure that R.J. Davis faces, UNC needs another threat in the backcourt. And so, you know, a question for me is whether Elliott can be that guy. Uh, and you've seen some encouraging signs. He did, you know, it was a quiet game for him last night, but I thought he did make a huge shot in the second half. I think it cut Syracuse's lead from six to three. It gave UNC a chance. i trying to remember when it was. I want to say it was, you know, at some point in the second half there, um, when UNC still had hope. So, you know, he made two threes at Miami, first time in the game all year he's made uh, that many. And so you're seeing signs. Um, but honestly, he probably really shouldn't be uh, kind of shouldering that sort of load. Like you want him running things. You want him being that passer that he is. Uh, you know, I'm not sure his game has progressed to the point yet where – you know, he's going to be a reliable offensive threat in terms of scoring points. But UNC kind of needs that a little bit, given the inconsistency around him. You know, it's interesting. Joe and I were talking about this before the show. And Joe, and you know this about Joe Andrew. So the way I set this up. I know all kinds of things. About yeah, you know all, things, all, thing, all sorts of things about Joe <laughs> So you know where I'm going with this. You know, we're in the hallway here at Eford Studio. And I just start hearing going, huh. So Pitt beat Virginia last night. 23 game home winning streak. Yeah. That did. terrible pit team. And, and they did yeah, it because he lost the pit Syracuse. Oh, look at that shot lights out against North Carolina last night. <laughs> they lost by 30 previously. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Weird. Well, let's get rid of Kevin. Cause they lost to Syracuse. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of sarcastic, you know, I do know that. Aggressive I, approach to weird. It's the only Joe I know. <laughs> weird. weird. It's almost like what I've been saying this whole time is, is, is right. Hmm. <laughs> so well, I don't know about I don't know about all that now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about all that. You're right, got man. You're well, right. my reaction to all this stuff that you're bringing up. I mean, yeah, you can talk about Kevin. Um, you know, it's sort of you know it causes you to reexamine maybe some of the conversation around him. But also, to me, there's the same thing with the ACC at large. Like, there's yeah. this narrative nationally: the ACC stinks. It's not what it was. And yeah, granted, like you don't have maybe those juggernaut teams. We thought maybe Carolina could have been that, you know, a few weeks ago. Maybe they're not quite at that level, but there's still like a lot of good, pretty solid teams that are on the fringe of the tournament. Not quite there yet, but Miami's a good team. Syracuse, I think, is a good team. Clemson, I think, is really good. Like that team can make a run. Like PJ Hall is really good. <laughs> um, but there's this narrative yet that the conference stinks and that if you lose to anybody outside of Carolina or Duke or Virginia now, maybe, or Clemson, like it's an awful loss. Like, oh, my God, can't believe you went up to Syracuse and lost. Yeah. Well, they're pretty good. And when that place has 25,000 people in it, it can be a tough place to play. Andrew Carter, News and Observer. We appreciate the time as always, man. We'll talk to you later. I'll, I'll, I'll see you guys at the mafia meeting that we have later That's on. right. Do you want skull and bones? Same, same do, you time, want, uh, do, do you want the occult shirt that I had Anna draw up? I do actually. I do okay. want that. All right. I'll uh, I'm actually gonna put an order in because it's not gonna be a full breaking tea run. I think I'll just go like custom making, just get like six shirts. 
I'll get Put you a, down. Got to get you a medium. We'll be, we'll Thank be good you. to go. Thank you. In orange. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right, let's get out of here on some Hey Joe questions, or really, in some cases, some interactions with our listeners on social media. The YouTubes? Yes, let's get to the on, YouTubes. Let's get to the YouTubes. Our buddy Al over at Tar Heel Blog. Uh, getting on social media last night after Carolina lost, and I had made this point ultimately about that I made at the beginning of the podcast where you can look at the overall trends of college basketball and see, man, people are getting upset all the time. So, what makes you think that North Carolina's any different than anybody else given I mean Kansas got beat the other night for heaven's sake. Like run. Right. So strange ass things are happening. And <laughs> I simply pointed out to Al, this social media, specifically Twitter, is not a place for nuance. It's a it's meant for people to be, I told you so about Hubert Davis, which I think is really I, I've had this working theory that there is a group of people who have been waiting for the malaise to then bring up, see, this is more about North Carolina under Hubert Davis than not. Trying to make some overall, I told you so, about Hubert Davis. And of course, Al responds, you speak like I haven't seen it already. My man Brandon already quote tweeted somebody from Saturday asking that when we were down. Like, what are you talking about? And he screen grabbed it. And it was like, did did we fans just jump the gun on Hubert being the guy for the job? Besides Baycott and RJ, he's brought in the rest of these guys that are horrible for the most part. And I thought to myself, and I responded to him, LOLOL, Harrison Ingram has been horrible for the most part. Elliot Cadeau too, like, come on. And Al responded, yeah, it's just people act like every UNC team went 14-0, 16-0, 18-0, 20-0 when they were good. I'd like to think I've always been reasonable. And a lot, if not most fans are, but having a passion for a pro team like the Canes really helps put the regular season in its place. And that's kind of what we've been kind of screaming here when it comes to talking about really anything related to sports, including Duke from yesterday, Joe. Uh, I, I didn't have any problem with our Duke conversation yesterday. No, I didn't either. I didn't either. I, I saw somebody on the YouTube comments was like, oh, you're chasing the algorithm there because the field of 68 had is Duke soft. It's oh, like, well, did they? We, we brought up Williams's comments. Yeah. Jay is having a very unusual year with his alma mater. Very unusual. Yeah, he started. He, he's professing season. his love for Carolina, mm-hmm. and he's calling out this particular team. So, listen, well, you know, there's part of what we do it has to be to react what other people say. That's that's part of what it's, we do. Yeah, but what I we think do. The conversation we had yesterday was there was a great comment on the YouTube's. Yeah, this this one. Yeah, from uh, Duke football coverage. Yeah, I mean, uh, this isn't 98 or 01 about Duke specifically, yeah. and that's okay. You're not going to have a dominant team like that capable of imposing its will on opponents every year, even in a place like Duke. Not having a natural five limits what they, this team could do, which we've been talking about all season. But despite some shortcomings, this team is 19 and five with only one bad <laughs> loss uh, to Georgia Tech, a team that UNC, a team that uh, beat UNC. This team can fight and scrap and grind it out for wins. Uh, and he continues, it's just not a dominant team, but it's still a good ground and pound team having a good year. You know, it's funny. Duke was like that last year, too. Yeah, they were like that last year, too. But the pieces fit a little bit better than what we have this year. I think you're going to see Duke next year with Cooper Flag have a chance to win the national championship. But there's one way to make that happen. But it's going to require McCain coming back. It's going to require not only flag basically playing the four, but either I would go to the portal and, and augment. I would go to the portal and augment with a shooter and a big. And I know they tried that two years ago. Um, the, the kid from Cal who, mm-hmm. who wasn't any, he just couldn't play at the level they needed him to play at. And Ryan Young, yes, technically came through from the portal. Uh, but I think those are the two things that they're going to have to do to put themselves in a position next year. They're going to need real and, you know, Proctor probably does go to the NBA because they'll see a diminishing return on his draft value if yeah. he does come back. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think if you can get McCain and Flag, those are two, those are hammers. You know, I think what they're missing this year is a hammer. You know, they wanted Filipowski to be a hammer, and he was at points last year, but he's not this year. They wanted Proctor to look like a guy who last year would have been a you know, first round pick in the 20s. Mm-hmm. And there's absolutely uh, nothing wrong with that, by the way. <laughs> 
sometimes guys come back and they improve their stocking. Sometimes they come back and they, and they go through it and that's what's happening to them. No, I'm with you. I'm glad you brought up the portal because I think that's where John Shire missed this year. Yeah. That's where they missed this year. It's as simple as that. And this is not going to be something that they're going to allow themselves to miss this season because they really do have an opportunity with Cooper flag. They have a bazillion people on staff. They have the NIL game on lock. They've got a general manager. If Duke's in a funny spot, if they really want to go get a guy, they can go get a guy. But that's the interesting thing. The big they lost out on was from Virginia Tech, and Mm -hmm. he ended up at Kansas State, and Mm -hmm. he's kind of exactly what they need. And it's, like I said, I apologize for not knowing the kid name from from Cal. They they bought a shooter in. Look, Google's your friend. You can find that kid you were talking about. Jacob Grandison. That's from California, from from Oakland. Uh, You know, he's Illinois transfer, began his career at Holy Cross. He was a bigger guard. I thought he was going to be somebody who could help them 10, 12 points a game. It Mm -hmm. just didn't work out that way. And I can understand the mentality if you're shy or like, oh, well, we went and got Grandison last year and it didn't work out. And it's like, no, no you still have to keep, you still have to keep throwing yes. to make sure each time, like, you know, uh, UNC last year with their transfer portal additions didn't work. Didn't work. Worked out, worked out this, this year, year, worked out. NC State last year worked out mm-hmm. this year. Not as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just have to keep trying. And But I think next year and I think John and we're seeing him use the freshman even more because I think he knows the only way to really maximize with flag next year is to have the cast around him and then let him be the home run hitter. Let him be the bus driver. Yes. They cannot miss on that. They absolutely cannot miss on that. Uh, from user and a bunch of letters and numbers. Jillio does a podcast that heavily talks about the ACC and claims he doesn't watch Duke. Yeah, sure. I, no, I, I didn't say I didn't watch Duke. I was telling you I've only seen Duke now four times this year. Mm-hmm. I'm just being honest with you. Yeah. That's what we try to do I, on this I program. Don't, I don't go to every Duke game. You go to a lot of Duke games. So I don't go I to all kinda, of them. I take, I take your, you know, let you figure them out. And then I go to all the state games that I can. And I watch most of the Carolina games on TV because I know we're going to talk about them. And I know they're the best team in the ACC. You mean teamwork makes the dream work? It does. Whoa. Uh, from Mr. Sunny Money, FSU should just walk into court <laughs> and quote everything <laughs> dumbass, every dumbass thing Phillips says as evidence as to why... They should be allowed out of that ridiculous conference. You know what, man? I can't disagree with you anymore. Hello, there's the leopards. What do you mean? Yeah. From, yeah, from habeas snarkus. There's no way the leopards would eat my face again. again. <laughs> Says man who voted for the leopards eat your face party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think we can. I don't think we can get it. I don't think we can do any better than that. Mm-mm. So we're just gonna get out of here on that. We will see you. Uh, wait, is it Thursday tomorrow? We'll see you live. OG live, sleek fleet. Let's OG go. OG live. West Durham will be in the house tomorrow. We'll have a good time. We'll see you then. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.